0: 6349 or ProLiftDoors.com slash Portland. Before we get into this episode, we have a special announcement to make. To celebrate four years of the Rational Republican podcast, Nick and I are going to host a meetup. The meetup will take place at Steeplejack Brewing at 5834 Northeast Pine Farm Court in Hillsboro 97124. It'll be on January 20th, 2023 at 6 p.m., So we will send out an invite to all of our past guests and see who shows up. If you could, please RSVP to james at jamesaball.com or just show up. We'll see you there. On this episode of the podcast, we have Commissioner Ben West. Congratulations on winning your election for uh, Clackamas County Commission. And welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So... We, on this podcast, talk to a lot of Republicans, which means we talk to a lot of people who lose their elections, and so it is a good change in pace to uh, talk to somebody who actually won one. So um, why don't you just take a couple minutes to introduce yourself, uh, how you got into politics, you know, how you got to where you are now. Uh,
1: yeah, my name is Ben West. I currently serve as a Wilsonville City Councilor, Yes, and I will be finishing my term up um, on December 31st and uh, start uh, January 3rd as a Clackamas County commissioner.
0: So um, you get a nice long weekend there. I get a little <laughs> bit of a weekend. Yeah, I do.
1: Uh, and that's nice, you know, going into the holidays. Uh, so I'm a sixth generation Oregonian. Um, I grew up in North Portland. I had the exact same bedroom as my dad. I grew up in the Ooh. same home he grew up in. My parents wow. still live there in North Portland. Um, and my high school, uh, would have been Jefferson. Uh, I went to a small private school, but my high school would have been Jefferson and I've just seen the city and the community, um, that I love so much in the Portland area completely change. And I think the argument is fair to say, not for the better. I don't recognize the city of roses anymore. And so, um, uh, that's why I wanted to stay engaged and active but how did I get involved in politics so in 2014 my husband and I were Oregon's marriage plaintiffs what does that mean we were one of the plaintiff couples that sued the state of Oregon um, that would not allow my family to exist and we won in federal court we overturned Oregon's ban on same-sex marriage in 2014 um, and now my family and families like mine have legal protection under the law and I know a lot of Republicans and maybe some conservatives may disagree with me on that and we can have that t- conversation and that's okay. Uh, but I needed to advocate for my family and I believe um, our son who we are in the process of adopting from Oregon's foster care system needed to know that his parents were married and we respect the institution of marriage. Um, and we may not be that traditional model of it, but we thought it was important to uphold that in our own family and for our son. And so we fought for that and won that and that kind of thrust our whole family kind of into the political spotlight. You know, we were in national media. Um, we were in the paper. We were... It was kind of a big deal going on. Um, and so we uh, just kind of were a little bit like, I guess, torchbearers for that movement. Um, and uh, that was... Um, A wild a wild ride but I stayed kind of plugged in and just because I fought for that specific issue that I believed in for my family that we Mm -hmm. um, wanted to fight for it doesn't mean that everybody that I was in that fight with that we all had the same worldview or value system and that um, I was beholden to any specific political ideology. Sure. Um, and so that's where we kind of jumped out of that. Uh, I jumped out of that and got involved in like local politics, got elected to Wilsonville City Council, and then now I'm, I'm going to be a county commissioner.
2: What was, if I could ask, what was the impetus to run for a, a seat on the Wilsonville City Council? I mean, obviously, you, you live here down now, or we're recording this in your house. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's a great question. So I... Um, we moved here in 2014 because our, we wanted our son to not go to a failing school. And so the schools in Portland are, um, just not, uh, where we wanted to send our son and we didn't need our son to be the litmus test for them to figure it out. So we decided to come to a great school district. We also had some of our best friends, um, that, uh, we have gotten to know over the years. They're our neighbors, and they got us to move out here. They kept saying, "Move to Wilsonville." We're like we're never leaving Portland. We're urban people, you know. We're a gay <laughs> couple. We live in Portland, you know. And then <laughs> it's once we became parents, and then we had a group of friends in the community that had moved out here and lived out here. Um, that our kids hung out, and we all we all socialized, and like our next door neighbors literally are our best friends. Um, so, and they're the ones that got us to move out into Wilsonville. We got plugged into this community. I was still very, like, civically minded. And a lot of people were like, hey, we need, like, some kind of new ideas on the city council. Local government matters. And so just by meeting different people that are engaged and involved, I just started to plug in and then people start saying, Hey, we'd love to have your voice on city council it would be just different than the echo chamber that already exists there. Um, you could bring some new energy and ideas um, and maybe some balance, just some balance to what was here. And so I, I kind of jumped into the, the frying pan there and i got active and got engaged and and in that process i was able to kind of learn and cut my teeth and grow in a local government role um but then also found kind of a love for how local government works and its importance and i've still kind of um stayed in that vein
0: cool so the law you're backing up way backing up (laughs) um the law you're referring to i believe it was 2004 that oregon added to the oregon constitution that the the that marriage is between a one man and one woman. Yes. Um, So that was not that long ago. You know, I always think of, you always think of Oregon being this, you know, progressive bastion, very deep blue state. 18 years ago, we put it in the constitution that marriage was, you know, that that gay people couldn't get married. And I, that just blows my mind continuously. Um, Here's the kicker
1: that nobody really
0: knows about. So
1: the people that were the driving force behind measure 36, um, was oregon family council uh city bible church at the time Tim Nashiff, um and that group of conservatives mm-hmm. so I grew up with their children I went to their kids' schools I was a part of that um that religious community growing up so the people who literally passed helped work to pass that law of measure thirty six and put into the constitution marriages between one man and one woman um somebody from their universe uh, directly is the same person to undo the law that they had put into action. Um, and so yeah. I actually still have a relationship with these people and I'm still in conversation with them because I think dialogue is important. Um, and we don't always agree, but that doesn't mean that's discrimination. And so sometimes we have to have tough conversations. But I do find it ironic that somebody from um, their, I would, I don't know, say their team or from... Their universe is the same person that came back afterwards and I believe righted
2: that wrong personally. Yeah. I don't think you'd find disagreement with that on at least the other hosts of this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just a a side note though, that that is still in the Oregon constitution because it was, Mm -hmm. it was overturned by a judicial action. It's still in the constitution. It's just not being enforced. And so I was talking to another gay friend of mine uh, who was concerned that if, The Supreme Court were or federally were to get rid of the protection for gay marriage, that this would be kind of a trigger clause that would make gay marriage illegal again in Oregon.
1: So here's the ironic thing that I think is so interesting is we get a lot of people virtue signaling about a hot button topics. Yeah. especially in Oregon, and they'll, you know, scream at the top of their lungs and act like it's the end of the world. Well, the super majorities belong to the Democrats virtually since we overturned Oregon's ban on same-sex marriage, and they had had every opportunity to remove that language from Oregon's constitution, and they never have. It's a conversation that I hope to have this long session with the other legislators and maybe have a bipartisan effort to remove the language from Oregon's constitution. That'd be great. And we'd have to refer it back to the voter to do so.
0: Right. But it's And the legislature easy, could do that. Much the easier to do that as a legislature than yeah. it as an initiative petition. Yeah, which and is cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> cheaper. A lot cheaper. cheaper. These are very yeah. expensive. Yeah. You know, the other thing that the supermajority has not done is uh, codify uh, abortion rights in the Constitution. I actually didn't know this. I thought it was in the Constitution. <laughs> It's not. It's, uh, there's a law, Oregon law, but laws can be changed a lot easier than the Constitution. Well, this
1: recent ballot measure that puts in the Constitution health care is a human right. If you read the way that's actually written, Mm -hmm. you could actually make a pretty strong inference that they will make it, um, that abortion is also a part of reasonable health care, which makes it a human right now. Um, and so that's a bigger conversation coming, but I think that part of the reason uh, the part of the way to do that was this last ballot measure. We'll see. We're getting a little wonky with it and a little, I'm, I'm kind of maybe reading tea leaves a little bit, but, it's, it's but the way, do, yes. but it's the right. way you read yeah. that actual ballot measure. And if you actually take it apart from analytically from a policy perspective, there is definitely a reasonable pathway that the courts would definitely find that abortion as reasonable health care, regardless if you're pro-life or not. And then they would make that a constitutional right.
2: So that's yeah. interesting that you say that both on, on the, the face of it, because I think that that's a, a very interesting seed of a conversation to have as Oregonians. Is abortion a human right? I think I. I think you and I would at least say no. I think a lot of the guests we've had on this podcast would, I would say no. Say
0: human right, and I and I consider myself well. Unless you're the human in the womb, the you don't think of it as a right.
2: Yeah, I was going to say. Right. I don't know about the baby. We'd have right. to ask him.
0: It's a much but more complicated. Yeah.
2: I I also I I, I kind of like the way that you had dissected that because I mean earlier you said that you're you're a. Policy wonk who's, you know, fell in love with local government. And I said, Oh, so you're, you're like a, a real life version of Leslie. Nope. And kind of the way that you walk through that is just that if you go through and actually read the text, and I feel like there's so much at the, at, at in, up to and an including what we do on podcasting, there's so much discourse and there's so much dialogue about Trump and about January 6th and about pro life or pro choice and abra- about Obama and about, you know, all these heady national topics. And people love to scream at the top of their lungs. And there's very few people that ever actually do get down in the weeds and say, okay, what is it that we're actually doing? What is it that our state legislators and our city councilors and our small town mayors are actually doing and writing into law that affects our lives? Because 99% of the stuff that affects your uh, you and your daily life is going to be your town's mayor, your town's city council, your state legislator, your state senator. The school board. The school board, yeah. the soil and water district, all these different kind of things. But everybody, I mean, everybody only wants to talk about Senile Donald Trump or MAGA Joe Biden. Yeah, the other way If we had better well, the, editing, the point, go, yeah, the, I I point <laughs>
0: the point I was, uh, we, I could fix it, but I'm not although going to I, I, it's funnier. That's is funny senile Donald <laughs> yeah. Trump, Is Senile That's funny. Now we're listening to it, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That may right. also mega be Trump true, but MAGA yeah. Joe Biden. Well, the, the point I was trying to make was the Democrats and the supermajority would rather spend $20 million reminding everyone that Roe v Wade was overturned rather than just fix the problem and put it in the constitution well, and because it helps them win elections
1: here's true here are two truths that i know that are absolutely true um they're absolute truths one as a clackamas county commissioner i will probably never utter the words abortion in one meeting in my four year term it is just not in my preview. I'm not mm-hmm. going to deal with it. The other issue, though, that we already just alluded to was, is the government that impacts your life the most is the government closest to you. Mm-hmm. It's city council. It's county commissioners. It's school boards making decisions about what your kid is being taught and what is the um, uh, the value system that is driving um, how things are done in your schools. So those are the things that impact your life the most. If you want to start changing Oregon, you have to really we, – we have to stop looking for like – um, the one big move to like change the one, the state overnight. You have to look and begin to say, nope, I need to start from the base and from the root and start to deal with things systemically. And that's starting to win really important races. And those are local races that are important because they impact people's lives the most. And when you can show you can govern in a sober, um, strong, principled manner, you're going to start changing hearts and minds. You're going to start moving the needle over time. And then the voters are going to trust you and say, no, that person was competent and my life was better today than it was yesterday because mm-hmm. we just had competent, good managers and leaders in local government. And that's how you start to move Oregon in a different direction besides screaming about issues that often um, aren't ever going to be addressed or changed. Or getting up into hyper partisan issues that are just like bumper stickers, taglines, or things that we hear, you know, on social media. It's really about being very mindful, principled, and targeted in your approach. And I think that we have to start winning local races and showing we can do that. And then the voters will trust us and it will be, in the, and they will have gotten to know you and you've built a resume and then you do some things
2: i've i've said this before on the show but i the the best email i've ever gotten from from the four years of us doing this show is not you know hate mail from some maga republican it's not you know talking to somebody very important in the oregon legislature or you know candidate for this office or that or whatever it was uh, a gal who lived in oregon city and she said i'm I'm just so fed up with how the process works. I appreciate the guy, the work that you guys are doing because you're making this a little bit more accessible and it moved her to go volunteer on a budget committee for, for the city. And now she's in the weeds, just kind of like what you said. And it's, it's boring and it's dry and mm-hmm. it's monotonous and it's rote <laughs> and it's all these, you know, it's not sexy. It's not yep. like Nancy Pelosi is going to go debate <laughs> yeah, right. a Kinzinger and yeah. a, oh, clash yeah. of the ideological spectrum. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. But like, yep. this is the work that matters and this is the way to go through an affect change. And we were – I worked on Newt Bueller's campaign in 2018. We were so excited that we could have a Republican governor win, and obviously he did not. And I know so many people who worked on Christine Drazen's campaign, you know, that ended a couple of weeks ago as we record this now. And we were so excited that we could have a Republican that could win, and it didn't. And it would have been fantastic for either one of those – or a mm-hmm. lot of the most recent Republicans mm-hmm. to have won, or the next person, or the person after that. But at to your point – it's great if you can have a white knight kind of swoop in and make everything better. The reality is that's, in all likelihood not going to happen it's it's really difficult to make that happen but what you can do you can get involved in your local city budget committees you can run for a city council seat or a county commissioner seat you can go through and actually do these things that affect change you're not beholden to some you know every part of whatever your voter registration's party platform is you're beholden to finding solutions for things as we kind of talked about before you got on the podcast and it's it's certainly my hope that that's the way that things kind of Progress forward as people can get a little little far away from their ideological specters, fingers crossed. Uh,
1: f- and here's another thing that I think is super um, interesting is that yet yeah, Drazen lost, um, but we have to look sometimes a little deeper beyond that one race. Hmm. So we made good headway in the state. We won Clackamas County in many places. Drazen won Clackamas County. I won in Clackamas County. I think there were only three incumbents in the entire state to lose. One was my opponent, Sonia Fisher. Mm -hmm. Joanne Hardesty lost to Renee Gonzalez, which was a big race. And I think our County clerk, Sherry Hall, she lost to Catherine McMullen, right? So those are the only three incumbents in the entire state to lose. However, we um took away the supermajority and all their um willy nilly taxing authority in the state legislature. Um Bonham won, um his Senate seat in Clackamas County, Jeff Helfridge won. He mm-hmm. covers part of Clackamas County in both the House of Representative. Yeah, and and, and awesome. they yeah, are awesome. Yeah. We both had him on. Um that. I won. Paul Savas d- resoundingly beat his opponent. So now we have a super majority in Clackamas County on the commission of 4-1. to one. Um, I think sometimes we will be a 5-0 vote. I think there's a, a, a really good unity happening in Clackamas County to really be bold cool. and do some exciting things. Um, and, and you know, we are still ballot chasing right now for two very, very close seats. That could still be flipped. So that's Adam Baker's seat in 40. Mm-hmm. And Kennemer's seat's not called AD yet because Kendimer there's a, an, an aggressive, yet. strong, good grassroots ballot chase happening which is actually going to have to be done by tomorrow night at five o'clock and we'll see if we got enough um challenge ballots um fixed
0: to change those races fingers crossed so fun story we don't live in any of those districts so like whatever but um my wife's ballot actually got flagged because she changed her name between when she filed and when she voted <coughs> so her actual her ballot actually got sent back Says you need to re- redo your signature and I don't think there was anything close enough that it would have made a difference. But I was like, oh, hey, I know that we can. (laughs) There was anything close in in our area, you know, maybe voters need to know either sign your
1: ballot exactly like a driver's license. Don't forget to sign your ballot. Yeah.
0: Or if you don't
1: sign it the same way, look for that letter that you're going to get after you've cast your ballot, sign the affidavit that says that this is your signature, and they'll also keep that signature under your profile so they can compare future ballots to that signature also. So that's how you got to do it. got to educate
2: your voters to get their ballots in, right? Yeah, absolutely. In, in addition to educating voters, which is, goodness knows, which we always love to do here on this podcast, all, you know two of them that listen to us <laughs> however many but uh voters consider yourselves educated um but now that you uh you will be taking over as part of a county commission uh one one member of five and obviously you are in a you're in your own super majority of sorts mm-hmm. what is what are the issues that are facing clackamas county what are the things that you're looking you know i line item one two and three that, that we want to improve we want to make better we want to make sure that we're fixing we're doing right by folks
1: yeah so i'm gonna remember every single one of those voters that voted for me And we're going to be bold. And um, if some people get upset, if their hair catches on fire and they're losing their head over issues, then that's on them. We're going to have a clear, bold agenda that begins to really uh, change how things are done in the metro area Clackamas County makes up a third of the Portland metro area, it's the third largest county, it's massive in size and land mass and it has a big population and we're going to start to do things and go in a new direction that shows people that we can fix chronic persistent problems and show what good governance is all about and, we're, and that's what we're going to do um, and we, I, in, in my lifetime, we have never had a clear 4 to 1 majority. So it's a nonpartisan seat, right? But there's four Republicans and one moderate Democrat who I think is actually a wonderful person. So Martha Schrader's the one Democrat and she's wonderful, right? And I think we're going to be able to work with her on many issues. Um, And we're going to begin to push back um, against Metro in a historic way um, and really begin to shed light um, on how Clackamas County has been left behind by Metro and what that does to the entire state, um, we're going to make that case. Uh, we're going to do everything we can and as po- possible with every single tool in the tool shed on how to stop tolling in Clackamas County, um, which is a regressive tax that hurts working families. It is um, it is horrible uh, when it comes to business development, and it's just bad policy, and we're going to offer different solutions solutions. Um, and then I'm a registered nurse. So, um, I work at OHSU right now in cardiology, but as I transition to a, uh, to a commissioner, we're going to really begin to do some new bold evidence-based solutions to tackle homelessness in the Metro area, work with our, um, uh, various stakeholders, um, and begin to go on a different approach that does not belong. Um, that does not include housing first policy or, um, Harm reduction policies. So the housing first policies are harm reduction policies that um, have been an object failure um, all across the country, um, and especially all up and down the West Coast. We're going to begin to just do some new and bold things. And we're going to you're going to see solutions It has to be evidence based. Um, and we're just going to be s- governed in a very sober, strong pragmatic way and we're going to get things done uh and solutions matter and you're either going to get on board and get it done with us or or you're not and you're just going to be moved aside like we're in a crisis in many ways Mm -hmm. um i want the businesses in the portland area and i want businesses in multnomah county to know that if you're tired of having somebody on your business stoop can i cuss
0: no, but that's okay. Well, Sorry, we'll, we'll okay. Okay. That's okay. Sorry. Let's go
2: crazy. Get it all out now. <laughs> Sorry. Is that even a
0: cuss word anymore?
2: I don't ask a farmer. a farmer. Farmer yeah. will tell you that's not a cuss word. Um, ask a business owner in Portland. Yeah. So, word, but right? that's
0: but that's what's
1: happening, right? If yeah. some okay fine. If somebody wants to take a dump on your business stoop or your doorway or you want to have chronic camping or, and watch people do fentanyl and slowly commit suicide, um, and it's impacting your business, we want them to know that Clackamas County is a place to do business. We want to incentivize you to come here. And we want you to know that we value you, you're a job creator, you're an innovator, and Clackamas County is going to make it worth your while to choose us to do your business. And we will not allow the culture that has eroded at your business to happen in Clackamas County. And so we're going after those businesses too.
2: Yeah, And I feel it's really interesting that you say that because of I mean, obviously, you're absolutely right that what's going on in downtown Portland is it's unrecognizable from just what it was a couple of years ago, which is even worse than what it had been 5, 10, 15, 20 years before that, but... This is the this is the direction that folks are going. Everybody had the experience of work from home. Everybody had the experience of, I don't have to have a commute. I Well, I, obviously not everybody, but for, for a number of individuals, it did. And now they're begging people to try to come back to downtown Portland. Yep. They're trying to – we'll pay for your parking. We'll pay for your transportation. We'll give you subsidized lunches at the, the burger place down the street. You know, Ted Wheeler's trying to figure out all these different ways to bring people back to Portland. And he's trying to put a Band-Aid on a broken leg because yep. the reason that people don't want to come back to Portland is – is because it's unsafe. It's uh, your shops get broken into, you're dealing with drug addicted feces covered uh, crazy homeless people. It
0: becomes a it becomes a chicken and egg problem because one of the best ways to essentially clean up the streets is get people there. You know, once you once if people were to start coming back in mass, you know, if if Wheeler made it mandatory for city employees to work in downtown, for instance, um, the the homeless tend to tend to move along. They don't mm-hmm. hang out there when there's people kicking their tent every 10
2: minutes. Well, so and I I think that they would if there was some amount of effort and bless Ted Wheeler's heart. I think his heart is in the right place. And I, I'm with him philosophically. I'd, I'd want to see that that happen. I want to see Portland kind of get back to where it could be. But there's been mm-hmm. no effort to try to eradicate any i know he's trying to work on the right. homeless camps right now from which he's facing pressure from the county and now we're l- looking at loggerheads there but it's a fantastic position for somebody like you to be in to say hey you don't need to commute to portland every day you can have a business in clackamas yeah. you can have a brewery you can have a restaurant you can have yep. bike trails you can have all these wonderful th- all the stuff that you wanted to do up there anyway you can just do right here and not have to drive you know 27 minutes up I five through traffic yep. and then deal with what is left over of Ted Wheeler's headache Plus of chronic You missed the tolls. Yeah. Plus you missed, <laughs> hey, there it is. Well, you look at Lake Oswego, they have a vibrant,
1: um, really beautiful downtown area by the lake. That mm-hmm. has opportunities for retail. You look at Wilsonville, and our whole entire north area of our city is just primed and developed in a way that allows industrial um, uses um, right off of I five. Um, you look at West Lynn and parts of maybe Milwaukee and and Clayton places that are closer in that we can really offer. Still, you're still in the metro area, but we're going to yeah. protect your business and we're your advocate. And us as leaders are not going to allow that culture that eroded away at what used to make Portland special that is no longer there. Right, We're going to make sure that that culture does not root itself in our county because we're going to have a different leadership with a different worldview and that influences the culture that we allow to be set. And so when you get to like what is distill it all the way down, Ted Wheeler was one of the reasons why the culture was destroyed in Portland because he was spineless and participated in its own destruction. And the only reason why he still lasted as mayor, because the ob op- the 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 other option when he ran again was an avowed antifa communist. So it was either the spineless guy who helped create the problem and couldn't stop it versus the antifa communist. Now I will say this: he is taking a different tone. He looks like he's trying to make the adjustment. I think that he has become a much more sober mayor after Sam Adams and Bobby became his chief of staff. We have seen some sobering and some some ability to say, "Hey, we need different results," and making starting to be a little more bold. And I I applaud him for that. Um, and he might be one of the only local electeds, um, that is really kind of. Um, part of the far left elk that is trying to that is might be waking up a little bit to where this isn't working mm-hmm. um so i'll plot him for that. And i don't want portland to be healthy oregon can't be healthy if portland's not healthy right. but i'm elected to clackamas county and it's about making clackamas county success for me successful that's who i'm elected to represent and listen we just had rain pdx come out and say hey in the media I, we got to close our doors i saw that yeah. well guess what come to come to lake oswego <laughs> we we will get we'll find you. We will make it worth your while. Get over. I sent them an email immediately when that that article broke. Because <laughs> yeah. on the door when they post yeah. the thing on the door, they put the whole her email. Yeah. I emailed the business. Please let me meet with you. We will yeah. figure it. Let us know how we can make it worth your while. Name a
2: time. Name a place. Yeah. And like, so even salt and straw,
1: she may have been a big old serial donor to Democrats. But she has a good business model. She employs people. So come yeah. on to Clackamas County. Bring your headquarters here. We'll make it worth your while, right? Uh, Marcy, yeah. if you're tired of that garbage and you're tired of putting your money, um, to work for people that help destroy Portland, then you come to Clackamas County and we're going to let bygone be bygones and we're going to figure out how to make you successful in Clackamas <laughs> County. I want jobs here. I want business here. You cannot have a strong local economy without thriving business. And we cannot demonize business and use them as political piggy banks to promote highly, um, divisive ideological issues and then pretend like we're gonna have a healthy economy that that is just it doesn't work that way so what we're gonna do is i'm gonna go knock on doors i'm gonna say i want your business here i represent clackamas county please be part of our team and who knows dairy gold just decided to no was it Alpenrose. Alpenrose just decided to move part of their stuff to Clackamas County. We're cheaper. We have less taxes, less regulations. We want to remove the red tape for you locally. We want to pave the way for you to make it easy. We love and appreciate you. Bring your business to Clackamas County. We're in the metro area. And the rest of them can figure out their own dysfunction.
0: But we're going to move forward here. My wife wants to move to Oregon City, so... You've almost uh, got me sold. Come on now, <laughs> I want to move to Oregon. Come on, That's anyway. right, you had
2: almost bought that. a house. Went, oh, we I have the good. We have it. good
1: schools, great sports programs. The kids <laughs> love it here. It's beautiful. We got government camp all the way down past uh, to, by Warm Springs South. You know the forest lands down there. Then we go yeah. past Wilsonville here, and it's a big, beautiful county that wants to welcome all the normal, same people. Well,
0: we, we moved to, to Washington. <laughs> i buy that get, bumper sticker. We, we moved to Washington County to get out of the the Portland mess, but you know, Washington County even is starting to be, you know, move further to the left. Yeah. Um, you know, our County commissioners is probably three, two Democrat. And so it's just, uh, you just kind of see things going that direction. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, so one of the things, so I, you probably remember, I ran for Metro council this past uh-huh. May, uh, was not successful, but you know, that's how it goes. Strong second. Um, strong second place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so one of the one of the things that I ran into <laughs> is that nobody knows what the heck Metro is. And, mm-hmm. I, and I when I hear you speak, you talk a lot about pushing back against Metro. And you know, my campaign manager was irritated about what one of the things Metro does do is is tax all three counties and then spend money in Multnomah. <laughs> it, it, that that was like his big thing that he was like. Clackamas County is always last. We're <laughs> right. always last. Right. He's like, you need to push on this, and I'm like, nobody. I don't think anybody cares. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think your voters care about that kind of thing. I don't think you're probably sixty percent of your voters don't know what Metro is, and the remaining forty percent do not care where the money's going. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you push back against Metro, and what are the things that Metro is doing that are that are? um, Is it it the tax uh, issue? Is it? it, I mean, because I think. Metro's pushing on tolling as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, specifically, what is it that Metro's doing that you want to oh, push shocker, on? Shocker.
1: Metro pushes tolling on the backs of Clackamas County. Clackamas right. County is always last in Metro, right? Um We have uh metro likes to throw money at problems and have its bureaucratic mission creep just expand with really poor solutions and outcomes mm-hmm. and so at a certain point when we went from like managing a zoo and, and people's garbage it has become like now homeless services and they don't know what they're doing they're not qualified right. and it's wildly expensive and we're late getting money and the outcomes haven't been good and all you and, and every time they do and they're taxing authorities so every time they decide to raise property taxes to pay for a new boondoggle seniors on a fixed income get to feel the brunt of that. Property mm-hmm. taxes are, are are wildly out of control for many people um, in Clackamas County. Clackamas County will say overwhelmingly, no, we don't support that. And then we have to go along with it. It's become nothing more than the Portland Area European uni- Union. Um, and so we might need a MEXIT. Call That's a metro exit. Right? And so you need strong leadership with a clear vision that can create that can show people with the what you use their voice to show people like is this working for you and do you know what the hell you're even paying for and I love how Metro oh, here's another side just a total tangent but they do these parks in Metro half of them you can't even get to they're like yes. not even maintained and they're not even open to the public but we get to pay for them as if we're going down to the local park with our kid to play baseball Every right day and down. so it's just an utter boondoggle. It's a giant bureaucratic layer that does not exist anywhere else in the United States, and it should be given back to the counties. And when you give it to Metro, you're taking local control away from the yeah. counties who know their community the best, and you're giving it to some extra behemoth layer of bureaucratic growth. It's like the blob. It just grows, and it's insatiable.
0: <laughs> I I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but uh, Cascade Policy Research did a Cascade Policy Cascade Policy Institute did a paper on this and where Metro's land holdings are. And it's something like eighty percent are not accessible to the public. Correct. And like sixty percent are outside the urban growth boundary. I mean huge amounts of these are outside the Urban Growth Boundary and I've got And they a,
1: just wanted a ballot measure for all of Metro to pay for those eighty yeah. percent of non accessible lands right. um for the keep them up or whatever yeah. and, and they can't are, even get access. These, are, just, nice. these are a bunch yeah, of nice. you know
0: city dweller people, and which is not nothing wrong with that. I'm a city dweller myself, but I got a friend who has, owns a farm out in, you know, western Washington County and she says you can always tell when you walk past when you drive past Metro land because it's overgrown, it's not correct. maintained, correct it's a fire hazard because you've got somebody who lives in downtown Portland trying to manage a farm a forest land and she's like it's a waste of resources it's a waste of land and it's a fire hazard because if if lightning strikes in there you've got all this dead timber from not maintaining the land yeah and so it's just it It needs to go back to the counties that's the purpose and the function of the
1: county and we need to cut abdicating our roles to other layers of government that's not the that's not what should be
2: happening well and and you hit the nail on the head metro is a layer of government that doesn't it's it like minneapolis has something kind of similar there are, there are others the, oregon is the only very, one li- but not the, we're only the only one that elected. operates the way we operate it has right, the level right, right, right. of authority that it does it has taxing authority that has a uh, regulatory authority that has right. bills passed insane all this kind of stuff for no reason there's absolutely no reason why there's a, a third entity outside of a county or a city that needs to run the zoo that needs to run your it, garbage. i can see
0: it in theory Like, in theory, you say you have the Portland metro area, which goes all the way from Hillsborough to to Gresham and Wilsonville up to the river. And, you know, there are so many different jurisdictions in there that you have one controlling entity that kind of like brings everybody together kind of creates some, some synergy between those different entities who want I'm, different things I'm with you I,
2: and, philosophically well but right I, but then it becomes just, you
0: put I, you put Democrats in charge of it for however many 30 years and this is what happens is it just bloats and it goes way beyond its well, scope well I think government
1: and, and in general does that world, and so when you create yeah, an yeah. unnecessary layer of government yes this is over time what happens right so if we want to have a special board that just manages the zoo like a, like a water district we managed terrific yeah. right yeah. and if you want to like And I'm sure everybody in the metro area, even Clackamas County, we love the elephants in the zoo. We probably would all pay a little bit to help the zoo. Team pack. And then you have that one thing, right? (laughs) And that's all it gets to do. But the thing is, is Clackamas County can manage its own garbage. Clackamas County can manage. I mean, we need to be more in control over land use. And not metro. Um, one of the reasons why housing is so wildly expensive, and we can talk about all the other factors, but in this region specifically, it is because of highly restrictive land use laws. And yep. one is the, and, and who is the big culprit behind that? Not just the state legislature. It's metro. Yep. And so we have to really get serious if we want to address these chronic massive issues that are really impacting people's everyday lives, especially vulnerable populations. We have to begin to not only modernize our land use, but we really have to look at if metro actually helping or just growing and taking
0: resources. Well, this is one of the things that I keep talking about when I talk to Democrats in particular, that the one of the last few instances of like deliberate systemic racism is the urban growth boundary. I mean, what, what who benefits from the urban growth boundary? It's rich white people, people who own property. You know, your immigrants, refugees, people of color, marginalized communities, a lot of times they're renting, they don't own property. I would
1: also argue CCNRs. CCNRs, I would also argue, but that's a whole tangent thing. Yeah.
0: Right. But however, um, this is one of those, it's a direct, it's a direct child of redlining. It it is, it is keeping rich people rich and poor people poor. And this is, if we're really interested in, in social justice and racial equality, uh, the urban growth boundary needs to go. That's my two cents. that Nobody cares about. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I just had our friends from.
1: Um, Wait, we, we had the day after election. Our dearest friends from London came and visited us. We met them in travels in Peru, and they were supposed to come sooner, but they couldn't because of COVID. And they came the day after election, and I was just like, "Could you guys remind me?" Because I looked it up. So Oregon is roughly the exact same size as the United Kingdom, mm. and I go, "Could you guys? How many? What's the population of the United Kingdom?" They're like, oh, I think it was like 60 or 70,000 people in the entire United Kingdom. Million. Sixty seven Sorry, yeah. million. <laughs> yeah, thousand. Yeah. I hoped it was. Yeah. This yeah, it's not, it's not, right. yeah. It's not the size yeah, of Springfield. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like, right, right. <laughs> right. But, and I was like, oh, well, we're the same landmass and we're like four or five.
0: Yeah.
1: In the entire state. Yeah. We are not in a threat in the next 50 years of becoming LA or Denver. Right, right, and so it's just a scare tactic. You're gonna have crazy sprawl. You're gonna, and well, so what's
0: wrong with sprawl?
1: Right, and so like, what's but, wrong with sprawl? but? But there is a way to manage things and to be surgical and smart with also using the like without terrifying everybody that you're going to become like a wildly crazy sprawler, we don't have the land or nature's going to be overly impact. The United Kingdom <laughs> is the same size and it supports tens of millions of more people in population than Oregon does. And we have an abundance of actual land and buildable land, an absolute abundance of it. And we have an abundance of farmland and we have an abundance of all of it. So there is a way to find that balance. And the 1970 Senate bill 100 is not, is no longer adequate to deal with our land use issues that we have today.
0: 100%. 100%. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and maybe this is better done offline, but, um, as as a gay man in the Republican Party, you a lot of times are are fairly underrepresented. Uh, that's, probably, that's fair. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a good way to put um, it. Yeah. How how do we as Republicans uh, a attract more gay people to the party and b avoid tokenizing the few of you that that do show up to things? And
1: um, I think there are a lot more of us than you guys know. Um, and I, we may not be as out or public about it. Um, because the moment that you don't adhere to the prescribed groupthink, um, ostracization, um, loss of friends, uh, and the hate comes on really strong. And are there extremists on both sides that are just intolerable? Absolutely. But have I been allowed to be, um, who I am the most as a Republican, it's not close because I'm allowed to freely think and say what I believe and to grow and to change and to morph and to debate and to have the exchange of ideas as a Republican that just flat out does not exist on the left. Hmm. And I'm able to objectively look at something and to have an academic, um, discourse. And I can't do that on the left. And some of the most vile hate that I've ever received in my life um, against my family and against me was not from the right. Some There was some, but most of it, the majority of it came from the left. And so um, I uh, I don't ever want to be known as like the gay Republican. Right. Because I don't want to ever be associated that my immutable trait – Mm-hmm. Um, dictates my value system or how I think. And I don't ever want to be judged on something that I believe is immutable. Yeah, And I want to be judged on my ideas and my actions and my character. And I want to be able to have a debate about issues without having it to be a gay or straight thing. M- me being gay is one facet of who I am. I'm a lot of... things. Can I, can I say...
0: We'll cut it out. okay. <laughs> <Can I? laughs> sorry.
1: And you guys, I should have warned you that when you give me any whiskey, which we're almost due for a refill, <laughs> I start The, the tongue easy. starts to get a little, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Editing. Editing. I'm not a church lady. I'm not a, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, And so I, uh, but but that's how I kind of look at this, right? And if and if I need to have a conversation with somebody who may be um, really uh, really really conservative and evangelical, mm-hmm. I feel like that I'm able to have an honest conversation with somebody um, and even walk away finding common ground and disagree- disagreement in a healthy way that I can't with the left that becomes irrational. Um, and I I I think that in many ways some people have changed. Honestly, as Republicans speak through relationship with me saying, hey, I always thought this and there was always I always taught that. But then I got to know you and your family and your son, Ben, and it just didn't jive or match. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to be happy and I love you and your family. And we don't have to agree all the time, but my heart is for you. And those conversations can only happen because gay men and women are willing to have those conversations with people that we're told aren't supposed to like us. Mm-hmm. Me winning gay marriage in Oregon changed no hearts or minds. Yeah. What it did was change the law. Right. But what I the hard work was is saying, hey, here's our common ground. You can even yell at me, but if you're coming honestly, let's have a conversation. And we can have that conversation and build relationship. And through relationship I felt like I've made more inroads and carved my own path in this party than I um, necessarily would ever have the opportunity or could do with the left. If I would have just, after being a marriage plaintiff, said I was a Democrat, it, it would have been a lot easier political road for me in Oregon. Yeah. But so the truth is that's not my value system.
0: Yeah.
2: It, it's funny because, honestly, we we in a recent episode, we interviewed with um, uh, George Carrillo, who had run for governor as a Democrat and then proceeded to endorse Christine Drazen in the general election. And he had said... You know, we said, uh, "Well, why are you doing this? What you know? You're a Democrat. You ran for election as a Democrat. Why are you endorsing a Republican?" And he said, "Honestly, it's because Christine is closer to my. She's close to my value system." We're doing a whiskey pour while he's talking, <laughs> uh, I, which I, I do appreciate that. I <laughs> can't cuss, but we can drink whiskey on the podcast. We can drink whiskey. I haven't said the F word yet. So you all are lucky. <laughs> editing editing if is Emmerich. easy. I can, I can edit it out. <laughs> But uh, but but he said the same thing. He said, "Look, I am I I I am what I am. I want everybody that I know to be able to be successful. I want people to be able to be free thinkers, and that doesn't exist. If it's a choice between Tina Kotek and Christine Drazen, he said, that's a that's an easy one for me. I yeah. sat down. I met with Christine, and that's what she values. Tina does not. I we had another friend but, who well, was
0: well. So the, we asked him, like, why not just be a Republican? And, you know, why not just just take the plunge and jump all the way over? And it was abortion and gay marriage. Was, well, was you all know I'm, I'm in a
1: mixed marriage. I'm married to a Democrat.
0: Yes.
2: yes. <laughs> right? So, so right. That makes two of us. So okay. I, my wife is a... she called us a mixed marriage. At her school. She is a <laughs> PAT uh, public school teacher. So I my wife's very much a Democrat. But and i and i appreciate where he was coming from but i it kind of to your mm-hmm. point is just like there's a lot fewer people like the three of us and a lot more people like the january 6th donald trump whatever and he's like, ah, just not there yet we also have a friend who is a he worked for the legislature he's a democrat he's a democrat like i'm a republican pretty centrist pretty moderate he's mm-hmm. talked to anything but he said for me he's a he's a Gay man, he said, I, that's not enough in the Democratic Party anymore. He said, I want to run for office someday, but that's not enough. Yeah. Like, I need a better, for lack of a better term, I need a better Trump card. I need to be a minority. I need to be trans. I need to be homeless. I need, you know, some, have one leg yeah. and have, yeah. yeah. He said that, that's just not enough. And it's the same with the ideology. Said, yeah. It's not enough that I'm just pro-choice or pro-gay marriage or what I, he said you have to be all these things in the democratic party and such a rigid system and i i don't know it's all so
1: authoritarian r- which yeah which you look at the gay culture in the past we're like we bristle at all authoritarianism right like <laughs> when the when the when the church was really hyper authoritarian and you know with the jerry falwell group and the mm. and the moral majority and you know all the issues with gay culture back whatever like we're a little counterculture in a way that that, that's gay to me being gay is always about being a little bit punk Mm -hmm. you're a little anti-authoritarian and i don't like it from either side like Mm -hmm. that's just who i am i'm a little bit that independent streak that that bristles at anything that has to tell me how to think be or express and so i find the left to be so damn rigid right and so i i don't i'm not about that and i also find that just looking at everybody by 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 stuff that doesn't matter is so restrictive right so i mean most people can't they can't see us you guys met my son today my son's Mm african-american um that's the least important thing about my kid yeah. right my kid is so rad on so many levels and the last thing that you need to know <laughs> is his skin color state right? Football champion. right he's a state football that's, champ that's right my kid right. is he's compassionate he's kind he's athletic he works hard he's overcome a ton his story is brilliant in so many ways um and and i'm so proud to get to be his dad but if we as parents had to focus on our skin color alone that would be so divisive in our relationship and unhealthy in a way that doesn't move anybody forward. It doesn't create success and an and amazing relationship. It starts to be focused on our differences and not on the yeah. beautiful things that brought us together. And I just don't want to live in a world where that's how I'm defined. And yeah. you don't get to define me and yeah. or how I think or what I get to say. And so for me, that's just... Um, and I might always say it perfectly. I might not always get it right. I might, e- I might even f it up. See, I didn't say the word.
2: <laughs> so good job. Uh,
1: but, 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 the, but I'm gonna try to be authentic, and I'm gonna try to be real with you, and I want relationship with you. And if you come to me authentically, I will work through a lot with you even if we don't agree and that is so missing in our culture um and that's uh something that we need to get better at and as leaders we need to start leading by example and so you know that's maybe how we're a little bit different but i don't
0: know love it yeah. i i have admittedly not a whole lot of gay friends but the, the gay friends that i do have i am 100 convinced that if we were a little more friendly to the gay community they'd be republicans <laughs> Because like all of their ideology is, you know, less government interference, you know, lower taxes, but they just can't get over the, the, the fact that a whole bunch of our party is, it would support, you know, making your, your family illegal. But a whole lot of them don't. Yeah.
1: And a whole lot of, and a whole lot of them also don't see us as only caring about being gay. Like I, I care about my pocketbook. Mm-hmm. I care about um, mental health and homelessness as a gay man. I also have a dog
0: in those fights. I care about um, making... Well, I think that that's why they would be Republicans, because they care about those things, yeah. and then our party is just, in a lot of ways, openly hostile to them. I've I a-
2: should mention you also, you have a dog in that fight. You also literally have a dog. You have a very I get, you're holding
0: Miss Miss, on Miss Olive on your lap. She's <laughs> licking
2: you fear.
1: That's Miss Olive. She is... How old is Olive, Paul? 12 11 so that was <laughs> that nobody was can, uh, that can was a dog, that, no but. one can see her <laughs> she's um she's all black a little bit brendled with the white little a uh, patch on her chest but she is got the little cute frenchy face and the little bad ears and
2: she's all kinds of clownish, farts and snorts and <laughs> all of that. We we have a smushy face dog too. I, as as listeners well know, Bentley has made multiple cameos on the pod. But I it, it's funny that you kind of phrase it that way because I think that that is one of those things where I remember we actually I we've had her as a she's a friend of the pod. She was a a guest of ours before, but the current chair of the PPS school board mm-hmm. was actually the officiant at our wedding. And We met one time, and she said, "Let me just meet you." She, my wife, taught her students, taught her children, and she said, "Oh, you know, let me go through, and I'll let me just meet your husband, so I have something to say when we go through and go through the ceremony." And after about ten minutes, she just leans over to my wife and she says, "Is he?" a republican like this was like the thing and it's like oh my god and it's like i I, i'd only been in portland two years or so at that point it's just like oh my gosh but it's like it's so easy to find a thing that defines you if if it's your job if Mm -hmm. it's your sexual orientation if it's your where you're from if it's you know we we have a very good friend who you could easily define as being a duck fan mad if you're listening that's (laughs) like it's just like all right man like that's like his thing sorry about I, it was, I know he's was probably rough. brutal. That right now. Hey, I, unless you're a Beaver fan, then I, it was uh, wonderful. Yeah, it was that was one of, those, was one of the, the yeah. greatest games I've ever seen. It was oh fantastic. my god, the is! Uh, oh, oh, I love it. Oh I line moved to what Beaver's was it, thirty-one most, to ten. Be- Thirty-one, down yeah, by one point. Yeah. Oh my God, it's crazy. Beavers won Come on, special teams. I yeah. can you imagine the other guys around? There was, are we, having there was so a I, whole
1: just, storm of mess that caused <laughs> so that comeback to Ducks. happen.
2: I still Plus remember the
0: uh, was the Fiesta Bowl several years ago where Oregon was up thirty-one zip and ended up went losing to TCU. Oh, so Oregon has okay. a bad, bad. Corn habit of that.
2: But I, but I to to kind of close out my my scent, which I don't get me wrong, I'll talk about the Beavers being amazing all day. But <laughs> are you a Beavers fan? I I married I married up I married a Beaver. I went to the University of Texas undergrad, so I orange to orange, easy transition. But all <laughs> oh, your clothes still fit. You're good. Yeah, you <laughs> Boy, none of my clothes from college fit. I would tell you that one. But no, I, I, it's one of those things where I, I will absolutely uh, take one more sip of whiskey here in uh, the take hope two. that oh yeah, take two. <laughs> we'll take, take uh, two big boy sips here. Mm-hmm. To in, in the hope that people are able to stop seeing each other as the first thing that that they learn about that person. Correct. Starts That's being able to have conversations said. with each other yeah. and at, you know getting good work done, finding common ground where yeah. you can, disagreeing respectfully where you have. To. but being able to get good things done and not being able to just pigeonhole somebody and that's yeah. i frankly it's it's our party that needs to do a lot of work on that
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely well gents we are running out of time so uh one of the things we like to do at the end of our podcast is ask, ask our guest who their favorite republican is living dead oregon national uh pick whoever you like oh my gosh
1: okay so i this is probably cliche um, but well, no, it's not. No, it's not. But, uh, I'm going to say one of my favorite Republicans that you may have never heard anybody talk about is Frederick Douglass. Frederick really? Douglass. All right. Yeah. yeah. And that literally just came to me. I think I was going to go something a little more common, but Frederick Douglass is a personal hero of mine. Um, and, uh, I think that he is one of the greatest, um, pieces of the entire American story and he embodies exactly what our first principles are, even when we did not embody those first principles. And, um, I remember visiting his home, which is now a museum in DC, um, area and, uh, very much inspired my worldview. And so I'll say Frederick Douglass as the, as the person who is not with us any longer as a Republican. Mm Um, I don't know if people who don't know. Yeah. Uh, he was born a slave.
0: Yeah. Um, My dad and,
1: read a bunch of his books. Yeah. And then rose to, um, became a free man and then became a confidant of Lincoln and was, uh, didn't always agree with Lincoln. They sometimes butted heads, but was a change agent in his generation, uh, for, um, demanding that we live to our first principles, which are beautiful and wonderful and rooted in our county documents. Um, and he challenged us to be better. So I love Frederick Douglass. And then the guy who inspires me the most right now um, and has me the most intrigue is uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida.
0: Yeah. We were talking about this before the pod, but if he can beat Trump in the primary, I will he will be my favorite republican
2: <laughs> well and i even ideological issues aside which i he is more to the conservative end of the spectrum and that's fine but he gets even stuff this done point. Don't he don't shows he shows how to get it done
1: this he, is what sober yeah. strong good governance looks like we're going to move the ball down the field this is how we do it um and so i i respect his leadership and the fact that he has backed it up with good policy that have that has um Really improved the lives of people who live in Florida, so much so that people want to live in Florida, and it's one of the fastest growing states in the (laughs) union. (laughs)
2: Yep, one that had that on my bingo card ten years ago. Good for you, Governor. I know it's right. right? We
0: we are well over time, but you know one of the things that I can am concerned with, and that that defines how I vote a lot of the time, is your impact on humanity and. And I look at the withdrawal from Afghanistan and the thousands of lives that were lost. An entire country plunged into into famine. The giant step backwards for women, for for gay people, for the you know. I read he an article the, the other day. left the service dogs behind. Yeah, you oh, <laughs> didn't mess the, with
1: the
2: dogs. Mess with yeah. the, the yeah. dog vote. Yep, the, lost the olive vote. The, <laughs> That's right.
0: The issue with Joe Biden and this. One horrendous decision that caused pain and suffering and death to thousands, if not millions of people is a thing that I cannot, I cannot abide. And so, you know what, if it's Trump, it's DeSantis, if it's friggin' whoever else, um, whoever can beat Biden is who I'm going to vote for. So... Anyway, on that note, (laughs) we're going to end the podcast. Um, Ben, thanks again for coming Thank you for having me. It was a blast. We appreciate it. Thank you for the conversation. Absolutely. And listeners, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.